morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We're glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're joining us here in person or online, thank you so much. My name is Drew Phillips. I am the associate pastor here at Calvary. And before we get going today, just a little bit of an announcement. Uh, this Wednesday, you will be getting uh, a survey from us. And that's normally if you get our normal church emails. If you don't get a church email for us, go back to the iPads after service today. Make sure that we have your correct contact information so that you are receiving the church communication. And in that uh, email, you're going to find two surveys. One survey um, is a survey that uh, will be real quick, one to two minutes. And the main point of that survey is for us to gauge um, how we did during the initial uh, quarantine time back in March, um, just to kind of let us know how you guys felt like things went, um, some things that maybe we could improve upon. Again, that'll be a real quick, just help us collect some data that way. Now there's a second survey in there that's going to be a little bit longer. That survey will probably take you about 10 to 15 minutes, depending on how much information you want to give us. Um, and that one will have your name on it. Um, and the main point of that is for us to better evaluate how we're resourcing you in the way of spiritual formation. There are a lot of opinions right now on whether um, we will have to go back into a time of quarantine in the fall during flu season. Um, and we're going to talk about those, not really talk about those opinions, we're going to talk about the views on those opinions here in just a little bit. But regardless, there is a chance that this is something, whether through this or another time, that we'll have to do again. And we want to make sure that we are resourcing you the best that we can. Because regardless of whether we're in a pandemic again, regardless of whether we can come back to church in the building again, we believe and our hope is that you, if you have children in your home, that one, that you are the primary disciplers of those children. And we know that as things shifted and work went home and school went home and then church went home, that was a hard time for parents to try to figure out how do we do this? So we wanna best equip you if that happens again, but also just in generalities, we want to help you be the people who can primarily disciple your children. Same way goes for ourselves. If you're coming here on Sunday mornings and expecting to feed or eat or get filled up here just on Sundays, you're going to starve. So our hope too is that we will give you and equip you with the resources and the things that can help you feed yourself throughout the week so that when we gather back together, when we get to do that, on Sunday mornings, it's a time of rejoicing and overflow instead of trying to fill up as much as we can. So that second survey is going to help us understand how we did the first time and what steps we can do next to make that more, hopefully more helpful and more available for you if there is a time, if we have to go back into a time of quarantine or just in general, how can we best help you be the primary disciplers of your children if you have them? And how can we help you take hold of your personal growth and spiritual formation into the image of Jesus? So that'll be coming on Wednesday. So be looking in your email boxes for that. We'll do a Facebook Live that I'll kind of talk a little bit more about that then. End of commercial. Let's continue on with the sermon. We're going to be continuing our series on kingdom training, taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount. And as a reminder, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' main teaching, his manifesto, if you will, on what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus living in the kingdom of God. And as a little backstory, most of the New Testament letters that were written by the apostles and others had this foundation that most people understood this teaching, and a lot of their additional teaching or exposition 
is based off of this text that we find in Matthew. And one of the reasons that we felt the Lord leading us to, to do this is because we believe that it's not only good for us to intellectually know Jesus, to intellectually know his teachings, but that we are called to put it into practice with our lives and to be obedient. The process, we call this is transformation. And we know that transformation is not something that just happens overnight, but like anything else that's worthwhile or valuable is going to take time, intentionality, and training. Thus the title, Kingdom Training. Now before we get into this a little bit, we're going to be in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I believe the words will be up on the screen. Matthew 7, 1 through 6 um, is where we're going to be. Let me just kind of let you know that again that to remind all of us that God is in control and he knows far more what he's doing than we even can imagine. So this again is a sermon series, as we've said before, that normally Chris, Daniel, and I go away twice a year and plan out our sermon series. We plan this sermon series back in February, March timeframe, right before everything happened. And here we sit this week, and this has been a really tough week. Today we're going to be talking on judgment and not judging others. And our current political, cultural, media climate, that has become more and more difficult. This was a challenging sermon not only to write this week, but then to also put into practice myself. And so before we get going, what I would like to do is just pause and pray. Because I think a lot of times when it comes to this, and we'll get into it, we think we're right, and it's hard for us to see anything else. And so as we go in, I just, I just want to pray for us. So take a second with me. Let's pray for God to open our eyes, for our ears, to soften our heart, and to open our mind to what he wants to reveal to us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your, um, for your timing. We thank you for um, the fact that you are in control, that you go ahead of us, Lord, and we don't want to go where you are not at. And Father, when we talk about judgment or being critical of others, Lord, this is an area that is going to affect all of us in different ways as we hear this today. I pray that you would open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you are wanting to do and say in our lives and give us a heart in the mind of Jesus as we interact with the world around us so that we can be examples of what Jesus would be like if he walked around in our shoes today. Help us to be loving examples in a culture right now that is toxic. Help us to see those blind spots that we may have in our lives. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I said we're talking about judgment today. I'm going to give everyone a good opportunity to put this into practice immediately. I've been traveling quite a bit lately. In the last month, I've been to Florida, I've been to Michigan, and last week I was in Washington. Don't judge me. Last week I was in Washington doing a buddy from uh, childhood. We were five years old doing his wedding. Um, and while I was traveling to do that, on my way home, I spent a lot of time working um, on this sermon and, and while I was there, um, sitting in the airport, sitting in the airplane, I, it became very evident to me that the airport and airplanes are a very easy place to cast judgments. Because there's a, there is an entirely, there are a lot of different ways to do something, but you're all trying to arrive at the same spot. But getting there can look different. For example, 
You've got the, the, college, um, the college girl who just has her big, giant body pillow. And she's carrying that around. That big, giant body pillow is the most important thing to her. And because of that, um, she looks like she doesn't have a care in the world. And I recognized myself saying, man, wouldn't it be nice just to travel with a big potty body pillow and have nothing else to worry about? Well, then you also have the family who's traveling, and maybe um, there's a whole bunch of little kids, and these kids are running around like crazy. They're running around. They're knocking over other people's drinks. They're going crazy. They're screaming, and they're crying on the plane, and you're thinking to yourself, would you not just keep your kids quiet for a little bit? I'm taking a vacation from my kids, so I would love if your kids would just be quiet and I can enjoy this, right? Have we been there? Or maybe it's the stewardess that is not being so kind to you and keeps reminding you to put your foot inside your seat and not in the aisle. And she's not being so kind about it. I might have been that person with the foot in the aisle. Or you've got the people who are traveling with their pets and they want to bring them on the plane. And then you've got the other people who think it's ridiculous that you'd bring your pets on the plane and they're going back and forth. The airport is a place to cast a lot of judgment to think that the way that you travel is the right way to travel and everyone else should do it the way that you do it. And if they would travel the way that you travel, all of us would get there happier, quicker, and, 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 uh, and be happier when they do it. Have you been there before? I was there last Sunday. And it really caused me to think, where does this attitude of judgment or being critical of others come from? And if we're honest with ourselves, this act of judgment happens to us often. It doesn't just happen in airport. Airports maybe amplify it a little bit. Some questions to think about. Why is this something that we do so often? Why does Jesus teach us not to live like this? How do we take steps not to be so judgmental or critical? All necessary questions. But to answer those questions, I believe we need to start at the core issue. And I believe that the core issue going on here is that we are all prideful people. We are all prideful people. Usually, most of us, think pretty highly of ourselves and the choices that we choose to make. We are our own resident experts. And here in this passage in Matthew 7, 1 through 2, we get a little bit of a picture of this and how Jesus thinks maybe an insight on how to counteract that. So in Matthew 7, starting in verse 1, we read this. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard on which you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure you use. So Jesus is telling us here, we shouldn't judge or be critical any more than we want others to be judgmental or critical towards us. And again, if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we don't want people to hold us to the same standard that we hold other people to. So how do we counteract that prideful attitude? What's the ingredient that we can add to not be so full of ourselves? Humility, being humble. Or as Jesus says, considering others as more important and better than ourselves. Think about that. Think about that in our current climate. If we would think of others before ourselves, that we would consider others better than ourselves. When we do this, it allows us to have a category where we show others grace instead of judgment. Back to our scene in the airport or on the plane. When we have this category, it allows us to realize that we don't know what everyone else is going through. That parent that is allowing their kids to run around like crazy. 
Maybe it's because all week they'd been on good behavior because they'd been staying in someone else's house. And now is a time and there's a little bit of space for them to release some of the energy that they've had pent up all week. Or that flight attendant who was short with you because your foot might have been in the aisle one too many times. Maybe she's going through a really tough time in her marriage. And being away for work right now is just making that situation more and more difficult. Or maybe it's the Starbucks barista who didn't get your favorite drink order right. Maybe it's his first week on the job and he's never had anyone ask for so many specifications or moderations to a single cup of coffee. Leaving our pride behind and treating others better than ourselves or to at least a lesser degree, just as we would want them to treat us, will radically change how we interact with the world around us. So our first key to being a person who is not judgmental or not critical is to be humble. Another key characteristic is to be someone who is quick to forgive. And not to forgive because it's something that we're supposed to do, but to forgive because we realize how much we have been forgiven. Right, again, I've said before, I've got three young kids, and if one of them forgives the other because just because mom and dad told them to, that's one level. But there's another level when they forgive each other because they remember yesterday they messed up and brother forgave them. The same is true for us. When we're practicing humility, we're able to realize and understand that we have a huge debt that we could not pay that was forgiven by God. And out of, based out of that place of understanding that forgiveness, we are able to forgive others. There are many passages of Scripture that talk about this. One of them is a parable that Jesus tells, and you might or might not be familiar with that. So in Luke 7, 36 through 50, I'm just going to give you a quick overview. Jesus is telling this story about a king, and this king um, had a guy who owed him a large sum of money that he would never be able to repay. Let's just say it was in the neighborhood of like $2 billion, something that a normal middle-class person would not be able to pay. The king realizes this, realizes that this man cannot pay this debt, so he forgives the debt completely and lets the man go. Well, as soon as that man leaves, he gets back to his house and realizes there's another person. One of his servants or workers in his house owed him, let's call it a hundred bucks, something that would have maybe been doable. Well, this man is furious because of this. And he decides then that because this, because this servant couldn't pay his debt, he's going to throw him into prison. And the king is outraged because he had just forgiven this man a huge sum that he would never be able to repay. And yet the man who couldn't repay it didn't forgive the debt that was lesser. And that's a picture for us. It's a picture for us to be a people who forgive, who forgives because we have been forgiven for so much that it makes it easier for us to forgive others. Jesus also talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. So in the Sermon on the Mount, if you go back to the Lord's Prayer, which is in Matthew 6, a chapter earlier. In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And in 6.12, he says, as we're praying, this should be our prayer to God. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now here's a thought for you that I like to think about. Is that Jesus is the smartest man that ever lived. Do you think about that often? That not only was Jesus the Son of God, but because he was God, he was the smartest man that ever lived. 
Jesus knew how to teach. It was something that he was impressing people with a long time ago when he was young. He would impress the teachers of the day with his ability to teach and his understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. So in his teaching, he's setting up not only how to pray, but then after he teaches us how to pray, he then goes on and, and goes into some of the details of what that prayer could look like. If you remember before this in verse 12, in verse 11, that part of the prayer is give us today our daily bread. So talking about trusting God with provision. Do you remember what Daniel talked about last week? Daniel talked last week about not worrying about what we have. Not worrying about what we're going to eat or what we're going to wear. Trusting God with our daily provision. So here Jesus, just in the, through the prayer, talks about trusting God for daily provisions. And then in his subsequent teaching goes on to talk about how we do not have to worry about what we're going to eat, what we're going to do. That we should trust God with those things like the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. And then he goes on to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive others, our debtors, and then goes in to talk about not being judgmental. If we are going to be people who are not judgmental, we are going to be people who are not uh, critical of others, then we need to be quick to forgive with the right heart behind it. We need to be people who are humble. We need to be people who are quick to forgive because we understand how much we have forgiven. And the final trait or the kingdom characteristic that I think is key to becoming a person who's not critical or judgmental is gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness is something that travels well with humility and forgiveness. Let's go back to our passage. In verse 3 we read this. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own. Hypocrite. Take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. When we are humble enough to view others at least as the same measure that we want to be viewed and recognize that we have a huge plank, we will be able to recognize that we have a huge plank in our own eye, then we can gently help remove the splinter from our brother or our sister's eye. And I believe there's an important order here that Jesus gives. Jesus knew what he was teaching. We've all been there before when we've gotten something in our eye. Those of you who have contacts, you probably recognize this even more. When you have a little piece of dust or an eyelash or something in your eye, it's annoying, it's hard to be there, it's frustrating. So we can all relate with that. But one thing that we can't relate to is actually having a beam of wood in our eye. So why would Jesus use that? He's trying to be ironic here. He knows. He knows that none of us can actually have an entire plank of wood in our eye. That's ridiculous. But when it comes to the amount of sin or the amount of judgment and how we view others, again, it goes back to a pride issue. We have this massive block in our own, and yet we are so concerned about the speck in someone else's eye. So you may be thinking, what does gentleness have to do with this? I'm glad you asked. The Bible's full of this. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. 
Let me say that again. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Think about that in our climate today. What does it look like for you when you're engaging with conversations, whether it's of racial tensions, whether it's of whether we should be wearing a mask or not? A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. And if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we want to give a harsh answer because we think we are right. What's the humble and the gentle way to approach that? Jesus talks about this later in Matthew, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. He says, take my yoke and learn from me. Again, we're apprentices of Jesus. Take my yoke, which is something that they direct oxen with. So put, or if it's an easier picture, clothe yourself in this and learn from me. Because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The NIV version says, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And if we're honest, we could probably all use some rest right about now. And maybe not physical rest, but definitely emotional and mental rest for where we're at right now. Trying to balance everything and all these decisions that are happening. And how do we do this? And should we be doing this? If we want to find rest for our souls, it starts by following the blueprint that Jesus gave us himself and being gentle and humble in heart. This is something this week for myself has been difficult. I've got my own thoughts. I've got my own views and opinions. And it's been very difficult for me this week to have a humble heart and a humble attitude about it. And I've had to check myself, and I've had to ask for forgiveness a lot. Because that's just human nature at times. But that's why we need to train. That's why we need to train our heart and our mind to be different. Gentleness is an important piece of this. I want to tell you a story about Pete Davidson and Dan Crenshaw. Pete Davidson, if you're someone who stays up late on Saturday night, is a comedian actor on Saturday Night Live. He's a young guy, and one time he was doing a skit, and during this skit, he mocked Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw was a, or was a Navy SEAL, is now a congressman-elect. And Dan Crenshaw wears an eye patch, because when he was fighting the war in Afghanistan, a bomb, Afghanistan, a bomb went off, and he lost one of the vision, or at least one of his eyes. So he wears an eye patch now. So during the skit, Pete Davidson is mocking him a bit and then makes this comment at the end, yeah, I think he, wore, I think he lost his, his eye in a war or something like that, not, make, not making it as it wasn't a big deal. Well, as you can imagine, Pete Davidson caught a lot of backlash for that. The media raked him over the coals to the point where he went into hiding for a little bit, and then after a while, he wrote an Instagram post where he said that he wished he was no longer on earth anymore, that it was tough to wake up day to day, and if he wasn't here, if there was a day that came that he wasn't here anymore, at least know that he warned us that this could happen. Dan Crenshaw was informed of this. And to this point, Dan Crenshaw hadn't reacted at all to the comments that Pete made. So he found out about this Instagram post and he privately 
and personally reached out to Pete to forgive him and to encourage him. And what he said to Pete over the phone was this, that God had made him with a purpose and that he should live that way. That God had made Pete for a purpose, that he could make people laugh and that he should live this way. Then on Veterans Day weekend, the two were together on the SNL stage. Crenshaw, a former Navy SEAL, paid tribute to Davidson's father, who's a New York City firefighter that tragically lost his life in the 9-11 attacks when Davidson was only seven years old. Paid honor to him, gave him a tribute, publicly forgave Pete for the words that he used. And as The two thought that the cameras were done rolling. They embraced each other, and you can see Pete say, you are a good man, to Dan Crenshaw. Here we see a story of who recognized that a humble, forgiving, gentle response had an opportunity to take a situation from toxic to redemptive. Congressman Crenshaw had an opportunity to snap back to escalate a situation, to put Pete Davidson in his place. But instead, through time of training, his response brought healing and restoration. He built a bridge when he could have blown it up. And I believe this should be our goal and our aim in the world as well. We should be people that instead of bringing judgment or responding critically, we offer grace and forgiveness by way of a humble heart and a gentle answer. Let me say that one more time. Let it soak in a bit here. We should be people that instead of being judge, bringing judgment or responding critically, we offer grace and forgiveness by way of a humble heart and a gentle answer. How different would our world look if this was the posture that we took? If we acted as Dan Crenshaw did, if we acted as Jesus would, and we would offer a gentle answer of encouragement instead of snapping back because we have the right to snap back, but we take a look at someone else's situation and realize a little bit what they're going through, take the focus off of ourselves for the betterment of others, and for the glory of God. As we close today, I I don't want to overlook verse 6, because I do think it's important. And here's a verse. If you read in verse 6, it says this. Don't give what is holy to the dogs or toss pearls before pigs, for they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you into pieces. Now, this is one of those verses that theologically, there's a lot of people who have a lot of opinions on what Jesus is talking about here and who Jesus is talking about when he talks about dogs and pigs. But if we put into practice what Jesus has talked about, practicing it with humility, with a heart of forgiveness and a gentle spirit, then the particular people that Jesus is talking about does not matter. But what matters is the message that we communicate. that we see the gospel, the good news that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came down to earth to fulfill the scriptures, to take our sin, to conquer death, is the most valuable message in the world. And if we would see that as holy and as precious, the people that we present that to, is the message is more important than, the, than the, just the people. 
And if we change how we live our lives and how we treat others, I believe that is what Jesus is wanting us to focus on. How we're living our lives. Are we people of humility, forgiveness, and gentleness? If we weren't going to want to take steps towards that, we're going to have to train to do that. So that brings us to our daily training. Our daily training this week is this. Ask more questions, give less answers. You may be thinking to yourself, that seems pretty simplistic. Try it this week. I failed miserably this last week. We are people who think that we have a lot of answers to things. We are people who are not quick to ask questions. But when we start to ask questions without the hope or the goal of answering those questions, but we practice it with a curiosity, we're able to be transformed. Humility and gentleness birth out of a place where we're asking more questions and where we think we have fewer answers. It reminds me of James' word in his letter that he wrote that we should be slow to, we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And if we can slow down and pay attention to the conversations and our posture in those conversations, then we can become people who are more humble, more forgiving, and more gentle. We become people who are not judgmental or critical because we are paying more attention to the plank in our own eye instead of the speck in someone else's. Let's pray. Father God, we do. We thank you for this teaching. It's a hard one. Father, we, you know our hearts. You know the temptation that we have to think highly of ourselves and how much we actually need to work to become humble, to think more of others, to be gentle, to be forgiving, Lord. And I pray this week, as we go throughout a week, as we have conversations with neighbors, with coworkers, with family members, that we would be people that would practice curiosity and practice curiosity in a way that we truly want to understand someone else's story. That when issues arrive, maybe our first question is, tell me a little bit about that. Because I know and we believe that you have been working in people's lives and we just want to understand that. And that we would start with questions and not always end with our answer. But maybe just that we would be curious. Father, we pray that you strip our pride from us. And that daily we could become more and more like your son Jesus through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's our hope and that's our prayer. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.